We learned a lot about the details of what happened at the Holyoke Soldiers' Home, and they are tragic details. People are still grappling with the trauma of what happened there. The families, of course, um, many of the staff members. Um, but it, the story also has broader implications about the potential consequences of unqualified patronage hiring. Hi there, it's WAMC News Director Ian Pickus. And on this episode of the WAMC News Podcast, my conversation with Boston Globe reporter Rebecca Ostreicher, part of the Spotlight team. Now, for more than a year, we've been covering the devastating COVID-19 outbreak at the Holyoke Soldiers' Home. Eventually, 76 residents, including many men who fought in World War II, died of the virus. As subsequent investigations found, that was likely exacerbated by a series of poor decisions and understaffing. This episode is a gut-wrenching loss that is nothing short of devastating. To know that they died under the most horrific circumstances is truly shocking. We wanted to know because our families want to know, you know, what's happening over there, and we couldn't get information. A new investigation by the Boston Globe's Spotlight team finds the problems went much deeper, from how the politically connected superintendent got his job running the facility to how second-term Republican Governor Charlie Baker shielded himself from the blame. One of the reporters on the story was Rebecca Ostreicher, who joins us now. Thanks for being here. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Let's start with Bennett Walsh, uh, the now-fired uh, former superintendent of the Holyoke Soldiers Home, who is now facing some legal trouble uh, related to what happened there. How did he first get interested in this position? Well, Bennett Walsh is from Springfield, Massachusetts. He is the son of a politically active and very well-connected family. Um, he was a retiring Marine Corps lieutenant colonel. Um, it's unclear how he first became interested in the position, but it is clear that he had um, advantages in his application for the position. And what were those? The political connections of his family. Um, we looked closely at uh, the potential patronage in this hiring, and we detail in our story um, uh, the substantial evidence suggesting that political connections played an outsized role in this hiring and that those connections did stretch all the way to the governor's office. One thing your story demonstrates is that because Walsh did not have a medical background, uh, that ended up uh, becoming a problem once, you know, the pandemic took hold, right? That is correct, yeah. Um, the, the job posting for this position emphasized healthcare experience. It said the ideal candidate will have a proven track record in overseeing um, medical personnel, planning uh, and developing long-term care and residential programs. Bennett Walsh didn't have any experience of that kind. Um, what he had was political connections. And as, as it was, became clear in our investigation, you know, he didn't know what he didn't know. He was put in a position um, where he didn't have any expertise, and he was, um, he had, there were serious problems in his management long before the pandemic arrived. Um, he, there was an exodus of top staff because of his poor management and also because he had anger management problems that required him to attend anger management training for many months. Um, and so when the pandemic hit, it appears that the home was singularly unprepared. After all hell broke loose, for lack of a better term, Governor Baker said, you know, he had never met 
uh, Walsh before the board at the soldier's home appointed him to the position. You found that that's not true. Uh, Correct. Yeah. At the press conference um, that you played an excerpt of earlier, uh, Governor Baker said, and I can tell you that I never met Bennett Walsh um, before I swore him in, and that wasn't true. Um, He interviewed him for 20 to 30 minutes on April 27th of 2016 as part of the application process. That is according to Bennett Walsh's attorney, uh, William Bennett, uh, who is also his lawyer, that, uh, William Bennett is the former district attorney of Hampton County for two decades. And we did get confirmation that that interview took place. I do not know why the governor said that. Um, and it it would be wonderful if he would um, level with the people of Massachusetts about his role in appointing Bennett Walsh in the first place. And uh, just to be fair to the governor, they, they they released statements for this story, but did not cooperate in, in interviews or anything like that, right? Right. Excellent question. So um, there were many questions that we had for both Governor Baker and his top Health and Human Services um, official, uh, Mary Lou Sutters. And we requested interviews with both of them, and they would not agree. So we sent them written questions, quite a quite a number of detailed written questions, and they there was a long list of questions that they didn't answer. Um, in some cases, they simply ignored the questions, and in other cases, they pointed us towards previous public statements or uh, the report by um, Attorney Mark Perlstein that the governor had commissioned into the crisis. So there were many, many questions that we asked, including um, questions for Governor Baker about his appointment of Bennett Walsh that he simply did not answer. Now, you've just raised uh, Mary Lou Sutters. Uh, Your story demonstrates that at some point she became aware of the problems uh, with Walsh running the Holyoke Soldiers Home uh, and tried to intercede. Um, What do we know about how that played out? Uh, Good question. So what we know is that um, Mary Mary Lou Sutters, who is the Health and Human Services Secretary, was directly involved in supervising Bennett Walsh and addressing serious management problems under his leadership uh, for years before the pandemic. Um, she is the one who, uh, after receiving a report of, um, uh, of an anger issue involving Bennett Walsh, brought him into her office along with the Veteran Services Secretary who reported to her um, and said, you're now going to be going to anger management training. Um, she was the one who got that report. She was the one who assigned him to go to that. And she was also aware of a, of a number of other problems. Um, the Veteran Services Secretary said that he felt helpless in handling Bennett Walsh, uh, that he felt frustrated. He didn't have the ability to fire him, and he had the sense that Bennett Walsh was going over his head, communicating directly with the health secretary, and vice versa. Um, And in fact, we report an incident that happened when, because the Veteran Services Secretary was feeling so frustrated and unable to deal with this situation, he, um, in 2018, went to speak with Governor Baker's chief secretary and said, look, I need some help. I don't know what to do about this situation. And according to the Veteran Services Secretary, a man named Francisco Urena, the chief secretary for Governor Baker said, there's nothing that can be done. Bennett Walsh is from a politically powerful family, and we don't. the governor's team doesn't want to alienate that family and their Western Massachusetts allies. This is a Democratic family, and these are Democratic politicians. Uh, they didn't want to alienate them in the 2018 Um, campaign because they didn't want them to back Governor Baker's opponent. And Urena eventually falls on the chopping block. 
That's correct. Um, when the Pearlstein report came out, or just before the Pearlstein report came out, he was asked to resign. He was very surprised. He had cooperated with the Pearlstein investigation. He, for hours, had answered many, many questions. And he was called into Secretary Sutter's office and said, um, the, the, you know, we're going to have to ask she said, You're going, we're going to have to ask for your resignation. And he said, well, you know I did all I can do. And she said, I know, I know, but we still have to ask for your resignation. And what became clear when we looked into the Pearlstein report, um, which was commissioned by Governor Baker, um, Governor Baker said that this was a completely independent report, and Mark Pearlstein said the same thing. And both of them say that he was given broad latitude to investigate the crisis, um, fully. And he says, uh, Mark Pearlstein says, nobody in the Baker administration ever told him what avenues to pursue, and nobody ever asked him to make any changes to his findings. Um, he says that he and his team followed the evidence wherever it took them. What we found when we looked closely at that report, and it's long, it's 174 pages long, and there's more than 900 footnotes, we found that there were significant errors and significant omissions in that report. Um, and we found a pattern of key errors and omissions that served to shield Governor Baker and his health secretary from blame. And that report points the finger at a number of lower-level officials. Uh, the Veteran Services Secretary is one of them, and you know a number of them are gone now. They they've resigned, um, but there there is no blame appointed at the governor or Secretary Sutter's anywhere in that report. And we found that striking, and we asked to interview um, Mark Perlstein and asked him a number of questions about that report. Um, he doesn't acknowledge that there were any flaws in it. Now, we know that uh, the coronavirus really spread like wildfire through congregate housing settings, you know, coast to coast. It was a really hard to contain virus, even when people were following the latest guidance, CDC guidance, you had, you know, you had elderly people with compromised immune systems, perhaps uh, living in close quarters. But specifically, what went wrong at the Holyoke Soldiers Home um, that, that you focus on in this story? That, that's a good question. And it's true. There were many deaths during the pandemic at nursing homes across the state and across the country. And, and one of the reasons why the Holyoke Soldiers Home story is significant is, in part, it's a difference of degree. As you mentioned earlier, there were 76 COVID deaths last spring. It was one of the highest death tolls in any senior care center in the country. Um, one of the things, one of the more catastrophic decisions that was made there, I mean, there were a number of contributing factors having to do with infection control and use of personal protective equipment, but one of the most catastrophic decisions was one that took place on March 27th of 2020 when the leaders of the home decided to because of a staffing crisis, they were really shorthanded. There were a number of employees who had called out sick. Because of a staffing crisis, they decided to merge two dementia units, combining um, veterans who were COVID positive, tested positive, with veterans who were completely asymptomatic. Um, and this was just a terrible, disastrous decision. Um, and it led to quite a lot of deaths. And this is according to many sources, including the Pearlstein report. Um, and it's interesting because that day, um, just prior to the decision to, um, or rather just prior to the move to merge those units, um, the superintendent did make a formal request for National Guard help. 
Um, they knew they were facing a staffing crisis. They knew they needed help. And the superintendent um, sent an email saying, I formally request National Guard help. Um, the Veterans Services Secretary immediately forwarded, well, six minutes later, forwarded that request to officials above him in the health department, to uh, top deputies, to the health secretary, Mary Lou Sutters, and they did not appear to treat that request with any urgency. Um, the, the, the National Guard did not come that day, um, and they went on to merge those units um, of, of veterans. The, they, the National Guard didn't arrive until three days later um, when the state took over the home, and you have to wonder, would it have made a difference if they had come three days earlier in the lives of those veterans? Since the story has been published a few days ago, it's uh, renewed calls for hearings. Um, Some of Governor Baker's opponents want him to testify, other former officials. Um, I'm wondering if you can kind of put a bow on the story uh, as far as where it is today as we speak. Um, Where's Bennett Walsh? Where is Holyoke Soldiers Home? Uh, And what happens now? So Bennett Walsh has been, well, initially he was put on administrative leave and then then he resigned. There was, a, there was a court battle, but he ultimately did resign. He is now facing criminal charges. The Attorney General of Massachusetts, Maura Healey, filed uh, charges of criminal neglect against both Bennett Walsh and the former medical director of the Soldier's Home, uh, Dr. David Clinton. Uh, the Soldier's Home is currently under new management. They are searching for a new superintendent. There was a gentleman who was offered the position, and he um, declined it, and uh, believe that job is currently open. Um, there are still a number of investigations ongoing, in, including um, an inspector general investigation of the home. And, um, and as you mentioned, there are, there are some calls for Governor Baker to, um, to answer a number of the questions that we've raised in this story. And so far, he has not done so. Is there anything from the investigation that stands out as a, a remaining burning question that you have uh, after you know publishing this uh, lengthy story? Oh, there are so many burning questions <laughs> having to do with uh, Governor uh, the Governor Baker and Mary Lou Sutter's, um, you know, t- telling the truth to the people of Massachusetts about what they knew and how involved they were behind the scenes in this tragedy. And one of the, the, the top takeaways that I have coming away from the story, you know, we learned a lot about the details of what happened at the Holyoke Soldiers Home, and they are tragic details. People are still grappling with the trauma of what happened there. The families, of course, um, many of the staff members. Um, but it, the story also has broader implications about the potential consequences of unqualified patronage hiring. Um, and in a care facility like this, the potentially tragic consequences. One of our sources said, you know, of the hiring of Bennett Walsh, I think they thought if they had the right setup, he could do very little harm. Um, they knew he was a ticking time bomb, the source said. But I don't think anyone expected a pandemic to come along. We had no way of knowing it would be as tragic. But that's the issue with <laughs> unqualified patronage hires. It's not a harmless thing, necessarily. Um, it just occurs to me to ask this as, as we wrap up. Are you aware of many other such hires um, in important spots in Massachusetts? Well, we are. We, the, spotlight, uh, the Spotlight team does receive a lot of tips, including tips about patronage. Um, and we are continuing to look at other tips. And if any of your listeners have any, we would encourage you to let us know. Rebecca Ostriker from the Boston Globe's Spotlight team. And there will be a link along with this interview to their story on the Holyoke Soldiers Home. Uh, thank you so much for your reporting and thank you for taking all of this time. 
Ian, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. All right, that does it for this episode of the WAMC News Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, I'm Ian Pickus.